Welcome to The Great Unlearn. Join me, your host, Cal, as we dive deep into understanding and undoing the programming within us. Let's find your inner truth for a life with newfound purpose and freedom. Get ready to question it all in The Great Unlearn. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Great Unlearn. This week's guest is Brandon Hawk. Brandon is a former professional tennis player turned pastor turned coach of CEOs, entertainers, and athletes. Brandon is on a mission to rewrite or rewire, as I like to say, the way his clients view their relationship to self, to their career, and to remove many of the roadblocks that they come across throughout their journey. Now, Brandon has spoken at a TEDx event back in 2017, and he recently published a book called You, a guide to deeper connection, a lifestyle of ease, and massive results. He's launched several services and offerings around the U brand, including U Community, U Coach, and U Church, which I had attended before the shelter in place put everything on hold. In this episode, we discuss growing up in a home centered around performance-based love. Is anyone familiar with that concept? We also talk about FOPO, which I had just heard of. That is fear of other people's opinions. Yeah, raise your hand if you're familiar with that concept. We also talk about the power of maybe. This is another one of those episodes that's chock full of concepts and ideas, but is also it has many practical ways for you to start to play around and implement these practices into your life. I think you're really going to enjoy this great conversation I had with my brother from Clyde, Texas, Brandon Hawk. Enjoy, all On to the great unlearned news. I'm going to keep it simple this week, folks. Subscribers of The Sunday Sync, which is my weekly newsletter, will get instant access to my newly released free ebook called Unlearned. How to Cut the Bullshit, Unlock Your Best Self, and find your true path. Now, if you haven't subscribed to the newsletter yet, you can go to thegreatunlearn.com and do so. But if you haven't, you can still get access to the free ebook by going to getunlearned.com and I'll send you a copy. That's G E T U N L E A R N E D.com. Now, listen, I'm deeply grateful for my five brothers and veterans of the Great Unlearned podcast that contributed to this ebook. That includes Lance Armstrong, Aubrey Marcus, JP Sears, Boyd Vardy, and Bill Rancic. Each of these guys has some amazing wisdom, or what I like to call medicine, to share with each of us through the lens of their own personal life experiences. And as you know me, I really only try to speak from my own personal experience, and so that was, a, that was an important theme for this particular book. Someone like myself who has done a few five-day silent retreats, I especially loved how Aubrey shares quite vulnerably 
about the six days he spent in complete darkness and what that was able to shine a light on for him. See what I did there with the light and the darkness? Now, for those of you who have been listeners of The Great Unlearn, you also know that the comparison paradigm is something that I still struggle with to this day. And so I love how JP goes down that rabbit hole and shares his own challenges with comparison. But listen, each contribution is great in its own right. And I can't thank these brothers enough for supporting me, supporting The Great Unlearn, and and to continue to show up for you, my people, my tribe, long after their Great Unlearn episodes have aired. So again, go to getunlearned.com to receive your very own copy of my free ebook. Much love, y'all. All All right, so we'll start us off with the flute. Kick us off. It's like the spirit of 1776. Not exactly like uh, how Porangi plays it, but that's okay. It's all it's all learning. You're actually not. You're not. I'm gonna have to. You're gonna have to unlearn how to play that. <laughs> We're gonna. To, I'm calling in my Yankee Doodle Dandy, aren't I? Exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what that is. Okay, what a way to start. Perfect. Awesome. Good to see you. Good to see you, brother. So this is a dear brother of mine, Brandon Hawk. Uh, We met, I want to say it was probably October of last year. It seems to be that October has been an amazing month for me, for meeting people, having experiences. And so it's very fitting that I met you in October. Um, (laughs) And so without going too deep into the background, I'll I'll give a little bit of that, uh, you know, when I record the intro. But why don't you... uh, maybe lay a foundation for for your upbringing and maybe how that colored who you are today. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I just have, yeah, I want you to know I love you deeply and I'm just super grateful to have someone like yourself in my life. Mm -hmm. And I know that whatever's happening in my life, you're someone that I can reach out to. Mm, Fact. And will be there and not just be there physically, but has the chops to be there emotionally and spiritually. And that's rare. Thank you. Right. And I'm just going to receive that. Yeah. Thank you. you. So thank you for, for that. And, and even that knowing and what you put out to the planet and just having me on today. Mm. So yeah, man. Well, my journey uh, was one of, Growing up, son of a bull rider, mm. um, West Texas, uh, and I grew up in yeah, just a um, you know a home that uh, I felt lots of love, but I also felt uh, an immense amount of uh, performance based love, mm. and. Um, you know, my dad was a sports fanatic, and he did not want us to go the way of the rodeo. So we, uh, he got us playing all sports, and one of them, uh, one of the sports was tennis. And I'm the middle child, 
And so uh, I found an avenue, uh, being tennis and sports, that uh, I could really uh, get my approval through. Mm -hmm. My acceptance, my approval, uh, my parents' attention. And um, yeah, it was a great avenue for my high energy and just even how I'm made as a person. And uh, I, at an early age, became very successful uh, at tennis. I was ranked number one in the state of Texas at the age of 10. Um, and it just went from there. I was on the U.S. national team at 14. Damn. And started traveling all over the world at the age of 14 and ended up um, winning around in the main draw of the U.S. Open before my senior year of high school. Hmm. And at that point, I was a six-time U.S. national champion. And I had, uh, yeah, represented our country um, in the Junior Davis Cup and Junior National Team and uh, just had a, a, yeah, really successful mm -hmm. um, <laughs> uh, career as, as a tennis player at a very early age. Um, and so I went on to play uh, a year at University of Texas where I was freshman All-American and, um, yeah, turned pro and... Uh, my dream was to always play. My dream as a little boy was to play at Wimbledon. And I had played in all the other majors, and but I had not played in Wimbledon. And at the age of 20, I qualified. Uh, uh, I went through the qualifying and I made it through. And uh, yeah, I was the last match of the day. My doubles partner and I, uh, last match of the day. Uh, on the grounds of Wimbledon and really accomplished a big time dream of mine. And honestly, Cal, that's where it kind of all started uh, in the sense of my unraveling. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like this, uh, this and what we're, we've been going through is the, the great unlearning. Yeah. The great unlearning of fear. And um, at that moment, the thing that I'd worked for as a little boy, I mean, from an early age to play at Wimbledon, that was the thing and that was the push. Uh, I did it. We lost 8-6 in the fifth set. And I went back to my flat in which should have been in the Wimbledon Village, which should have been a very like joyous evening. Uh, it was a very painful evening. And I had to experience all of the bypass of all of all those years of, you know, performing and producing at the cost of myself. Mm -hmm. And to think that it was going to be worth it one day. <laughs> right. 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 And uh, it was worth it, but in a different way. <laughs> yeah, nothing. I thought it was going to finally do complete me. Yes. But it, but it was the moment that, that undid me. Mm. And, uh, I had to go, oh, shit, this is what I've been doing it for. And all the pain came out that night. Like, it was very intense. It was, uh, we've done some, some some healing journeys, you and I, mm -hmm. you know, and, 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 and this was its own healing journey that night, for sure. And, yeah, I had to come to grips with, uh, man, maybe, not not maybe, the outside does not fix the inside. And that external validation, that external, and, right. all those years of the payoff. Yeah. 
right? And seeking I, approval. Seeking approval. And, and some of you know that the 10 second, 15 minute payoff, right? Mm-hmm. But what do you do after 15 minutes? Like, what do you do after mm-hmm. you've done a big deal or something massive happens? And I'm not against great things happening on the physical realm mm-hmm. uh, at all. But it's like, who are you left with after that moment? And I was really left with myself and all of the pain. Mm-hmm. And um, so Wimbledon taught me and tennis taught me something very valuable at an early age that the outside does not fix my insides. Yeah, well, and I, I you know, obviously looking back on it now, mm-hmm. you have the ability um, to look at it through a different lens and in in doing so, like, what a gift oh. for that to happen at that age because a lot of us, it either never really happens. We're always kind of chasing the thing mm-hmm. and there's never that moment where we finally get right. it. And then we understand that it has nothing to do with that. We're not, we need to be in the right relationship with ourselves right. and allow for, the, as you said, the great things can happen. Yeah. But how are you relating to those? What, right. what is your connection to that and to yourself? Um, and so I love, you know. It was you, a gift. Right, it was such a gift. But obviously, you're not going to know it that night in the flat. No, for sure. But very rarely do people, and I'm so thankful that I got the 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 bomb of awareness. Right, Mm -hmm. that that love bomb of awareness at the age of 20, and of all of that training, that's the part. I'm thankful for a lot of it now looking back and what it's, but, mm-hmm. but that moment of, of intensity and connection to, Oh, Oh, <laughs> we're going to pause for a sec. Okay. So we're back in after the interruption by our dogs. Uh, thanks guys. So where were we, Brandon? You know, I think we were at a place where, Wimbledon was a gift Mm. and I'm able to see it as, um, yeah, just what a gift of experiencing awareness at such an early age. And also, yeah, just the, the perspective that the outside doesn't fix the inside and that, um, yeah, that, that I want to get underneath the hood Mm. and I want to learn about what's really going on inside of me. And I want to heal some of those places. And I want to, like, like what's going on in me? And so that started a process of getting, like, really curious mm-hmm. about what was happening inside of me. And, you know, motivations, you know, generational energy, generational trauma, my own trauma, um, and so it put me on a path of, of learning and unlearning. Mm. And uh, yeah. And at that moment, I knew I was done with tennis. I kept playing for a few more years, but I was done. You know what? I, I learned my lesson. <laughs> it's interesting is, is um, you know, I just gifted you uh, what I think is a great book, uh, The Lion, Lion Tracker's Guide to Life. And 
one of the the kind of basic tenets of of that kind of uh, getting in the uh, inside the mind of a tracker is you're never um, you never kind of put your stake in the ground of hey this is what I want to do and I'm just going for it like mm. Wimbledon you had all this set yeah. on top of Wimbledon yes versus what feels most alive in me. And then following those tracks one by one and staying on that path. Because once you, when you have an aim to where you want to go, like I want to have the, and it's not to say you're not, you yeah. know, you're not going to have these kind of stretch goals. That's right. Which I would, I would say, you know, Wimbledon for anybody would be a stretch goal. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's that process it's really becomes about the process versus that outcome and that outcome for sure. Pro, you know, putting so much, uh, I guess behind the outcome or on top of that outcome leads to outcomes like this. I think for me, when I, I grew up in a family where emotional pain was the enemy. And so when, uh, emotional pain is the enemy, um, yeah, it, it keeps us like uh, the goal becomes the medicine or, or the goal becomes the escape because the present moment is too tough. It's like, well, if pain is the enemy, there's pain and pleasure in the present moment, right? right. And so, um, you know, I, I know for us, there was this impenetrable optimism as a family that we, that we escaped to. So we didn't have to feel... Uh, so we didn't have to feel and feel it all in the moment. And because there was a lot of pain there, especially for my parents and how they grew up. And um, it, yeah. So I know for me that uh, when you talk about enjoying the process, it's hard to enjoy the process if pain is the enemy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. especially emotional pain, because you can't selectively open. You can't say, oh, I'm just open to joy. Mm-hmm. If you're going to open up this region, you're opening yourself to joy and delight and disappointment and all of it, right? You're opening yourself to the healing and the resolution of it, and then also just the experience of life. Mm-hmm. And so I saw that, um, or when you talk about the process, um, I know that I would put stretch goals in my life so that I wouldn't have to feel, mm-hmm. especially emotional pain. Mm. And I know for my family, we hit out in the uh, the mental confines. We escaped into impenetrable optimism. Like, mm. everything's good. How are you doing? Great. Yeah. Right? Like, good brother. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, well, I see those eyes. I mean, like, are you? Yeah, I'm great, I think, right? Like <laughs> don't know what's going on down here. Yeah, look what I have to be grateful yeah. for, my health and my family and God bless your brother. I mean, like, whoa, it's all up here, right? Yeah. So disconnected from down in the body. And um yeah, that's been my journey is like going down into like have this process that I do with my clients. And it's called down down up. And it's like no, man, 
to, to go up, we've got to go down at least a couple of times. Mm-hmm. We got to get into the heart. Mm-hmm. We got to get into the belly. Mm. What's in the belly for people to understand? Yeah, the the belly is is that that guilt and shame mm-hmm. on a on an emotional a lot of disappointment in the belly. Uh, but that's where when you start to unlayer that guilt and shame and that disappointment, that's where the intuition is. Oh man, and that's that's where you start to hear. And we're going to get, I want to pause on intuition because I have some stuff from your book that you wrote that really spoke to me. So I wanted, I'm going to, just a little teaser for later Mm. on, we're going to really dig deep into that. But um, so yeah, unpacking and really on, you know, I guess unlayering, unraveling what's going on at that gut level. Yeah. um, It's really challenging. And before I went there to the gut, you have to start with the heart, right? That place of aloneness, of getting your value and approval through your performance, Mm -hmm. um, and connection being uh, based upon, connection being based upon your performance. And I know for me that that was a doozy um, because the aloneness that I felt the deep, deep aloneness that I felt. Um, yeah, it was a bedmate. It was a. It was definitely a bedmate. It was definitely something that was certain. It was something that would always be there for me, no matter where I was traveling all over the world. I could count on my aloneness to never leave me nor forsake me. Uh, it wasn't a great bedmate, but at least it was certain. And so I had to deal with the anchor of aloneness and especially the relational anchor of aloneness and um, ask myself if I wanted a new anchor. And re- there's comfort there, right? Hell and yeah, there's having co- that. I mean, I think so many of us can, that resonates, whether it's you're in a bad relationship. Yeah. You may have been in that relationship for 40 years. It's what you know. It's the shit you know. Yeah. And it's it's to let go of that, you have no anchor. It's the blanket, yeah. right? It's the blanket. It's the binky, you yeah. know? And yeah. it's that thing that, oh, it's the soothing mechanism. And it wasn't a great soothing mechanism, but it was the one that I knew. And so... What do you have if you don't have any soothing mechanism, right? What what do you have? What am I? Who am I without the aloneness? What am I even going to want to perform or produce if this aloneness isn't driving me? Um, if if I no longer need approval, if I no longer need acceptance from my dad or for people, you know, out there, am I even going to want to do anything? Um, and so it went to the core of who I am and. Yeah, just, yeah, I went to the core of who I am and and how I relate to myself and to my world. And I think that's where it starts. Mm. Uh, that's where it starts. It's where it started for me is, okay, how do you relate to you? And that's that was what this book's about, right? The, yeah. the book, You. Really, how do you truly relate to you? And um, yeah, mine was definitely outside in. Well, you know, and, and I want to get to the book in a in a in a moment. Um, but from tennis, at some point you transitioned into mm-hmm. the church. I did. And so, t- t- tell us a little bit about what that felt like. Why that 
transition happen, what felt natural and good about that and how it kind of unfolded for yeah. you? Yeah. I've, I've always had a communication gift and, <laughs> you know, a fact, right? Like I, I, even playing tennis, I would speak at assemblies and do things like that. And even knowing, you know, people would ask me, what do I want to be when I grow up? And I was like, I want to be a motivational speaker. So I knew that at an early age that I wanted to inspire people. Uh, I grew up, you know, my parents partnered with religion to stabilize mm. and to create stability in our home, which I am super grateful for mm -hmm. be, because they aligned to a set of values and principles. I didn't have to experience a lot of the world that they experienced. And so I'm in this part of my life, I'm extremely grateful and appreciative of my parents aligning to, um, yeah, to Christianity. And it was a, it was actually an ele energetic elevation for them, if that makes sense, mm. and a context of safety. Um, and it created a lot of stability for me and my siblings. And, but, but the realization that, you know, and this is for everyone out there that, that my parents ceiling doesn't have to be my ceiling, that my parents ceiling can be my floor and that I don't have to stop. Right. If, if the Christian church was their con was, was, was their, you know, where it got them and created a, a container of safety, uh, and was an energetic elevation. Like it doesn't mean that, that I have to make that my home. Uh, but I didn't know that. So it was the only context I knew to deliver what, to do what I wanted to do. Um, and I knew that path well. I knew where to put your church and how many songs you need to sing and how white your teeth need to be. And <laughs> right, like, yeah. and, and the temperature you need to keep the service. And uh, I just knew it. I knew that world. And so I went down the path of leading a college service right when I retired. And all of a sudden, I look up, we start with seven people, and now there's 500 college students coming every week to a college service that I'm doing. And, and the college service was built around experiencing God's love and the power of, of the Holy Spirit that lives within you. So those themes have been a part of my life and still are a part of my life, like God's unconditional love, mm. uh, the power that is in you and is you. Um, so I'm super grateful for my Unite services. Uh, and that led to, you know, if you can draw a lot of people, surely you need to become a senior pastor of a church at an early age. And I hope you can hear the sarcasm in that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I was not a great pastor, uh, not great marrier and barrier. You know, mm. uh, I'm a, I love to lead and to liberate. And um, I just didn't know I was going to liberate myself and also like, liberating myself outside of the context of the religion of my youth. Mm. And I had a few radical encounters with love and I felt spirit, intuition, God, source, give me permission, maybe even myself, right? Give me permission to just say, bang the drum of love as broad as you want. And, um, that, yeah. Uh, I then started to unravel the church that I was leading mm. And, uh, yeah, we started to, we call them bring the white tables in yeah, and started to have real conversations rather than four songs and a sermon. Mm -hmm. And that was probably the demise of, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was the great deconstruction for myself. 
and that season was so beautiful for me because uh, there was a school of transformation that I created that was my passion, and I was able to turn that into my coaching company. And so I'm super, super grateful for it and that experience and the experience of like for a season, the, the, the great chosen Brandon professional tennis player comes home and can't even build a church, yeah. right? Like my church started to dwindle and the deconstruction of my church and myself started to happen and I became a real joke for a season. Mm-hmm. And me being a joke was so good for me. You know, the path of, of all great liberators, right? It's a joke threat teacher. Mm. And if you unpack that for people. Yeah, like if you're not, uh, you know, you look at the great teachers of the world. They've had to experience, oh, let's just take Jesus. Oh, that's Mary and Joseph's son, right? Like, <laughs> what does he know? <laughs> Right, he's twelve, and he's teaching to the, you know, to to the to the Pharisees and Sadducees of the day, and it's like that's just Mary and Joseph's son. I mean, he's just, you know, carpenter boy. Um, and then you start to say, you know, shit like uh, the kingdom's in you, not in them, in those, and they, in those whitewashed tombs, right? And and so then you become a threat. Mm-hmm. So you start out as a joke, then you become a threat, and then you know, you start you emerge as teacher, sometimes alive and sometimes not alive, right? Sure. Um, and you know, Nelson Mandela, right? Mm-hmm. Joke, right? Even then, put into prison. I mean, it's kind of like there is this uh, demonization of character that starts to happen. And because you no longer are mentally agreeing with the group. And so agreement is how uh, most community organize mental agreement, especially in church doctrinal agreement, right? Mm-hmm. So we agree on these things doctrinally. So now we can be together and we can relate oh, and we yeah. can be safe. Yeah. So what happens when someone no longer agrees with the doctrine? lack of safety, threatening the group. And so um, that's, yeah, that's where the demonization starts. And, 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 and that whole process for me was beautiful because I had to come to a place of who am I outside of everyone's approval. Outside of all those things, all, all the, you know, I love that, the, the idea too, to take away all the quote unquote gifts to who are you without the tennis Without the that's exactly the, right, the, you know, being able to stand in front of a, a group of people and lead them. Who are you without all of that? Yeah, stripped away. Yeah, and and it, in that season, and I say this, it was illegal for me to give my like to hide behind my gifts, even my gift of vision. Church, where are we going with all this? It was like I couldn't even give the gift my gift of vision because it was like. No, 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 I'm not going to bail myself out or you out with my gift. I'm going to give you my heart and where I really am. Mm-hmm. And that was messy. And I know for a lot of us, we've hidden behind our gift. Yes. Right? For sure. And we've, protect, for we've protected ourselves with our gift. And in that season especially, for me, as the deconstruction was happening, it was illegal to lead with my gift. And I had to lead with my emotional age. 
And I had presented myself as a 75-year-old sage, but I was really about eight emotionally. Mm -hmm. And so I had to lead with that part of me. And it's powerful, but it's also um, awkward as shit, right? Like, it's awkward for me. It's awkward for others. It's messy. It's a little like, whoa, what's, you know? Um, Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I really had to, I talk about it in the book, like, um, you know, starting to build my life from my emotional age and getting in, in, in congruence and closing the gap from who I presented myself as to who I really was and how I really felt. And uh, that was humbling, Cal. Well, I think a big piece <laughs> of that, correct me if I'm wrong, is, I mean, you're talking about love and, and I think the the perfect segue is into self-love. Um, and something I've used recently is this idea of self-forgiveness, but I heard it stated, and I think in a better way, and it's it's not self-forgiveness because that presupposes there's something to forgive, that you are conscious about some act yeah. that you did um, that you need to be forgiven for, but it's really self-acceptance. Yes. Just accepting for who you were, who you are, the things you've done, the way you've acted, mm. and just allowing for that. Because if we can't accept what we've done in the past, how can we move forward? I know I've had those angers before, mm-hmm. and probably the greatest part of my personal growth, which unlike you, my shit didn't happen when I was 20 and 25. Mm. And like I, I enjoyed a lot of quote unquote success yeah could hide a lot of my faults behind that success, knowingly or unknowingly, but it was something that I was doing. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't until within the last couple of years, three, four, five years in different ways, starting to really deal with um, quote unquote failures mm. and really getting to a place emotionally where I let myself feel those things rather than convince myself that, oh, but I have so much to be grateful for. And like, just let go of all those things that I kind of medicated with, you know, medicated my ego with. And so, so I get that. (laughs) And, um, and success, external success is a medicator, right? Especially for, uh, type A energies. It's accepted. It's an accepted form of escapism, right? To stay at work, big keep, time, like to escape and not come home. Um, because when you come home, it brings up a lot of feelings. And so it's easy to stay out, yeah. right? And it's easy to quote, stay under the protection of successful provider. Uh, mm-hmm. Doesn't he work hard? Mm. Look he, at their house. They got such a nice yeah. house. You know, I remember, uh, you know, I grew up. I grew up in West Texas, right, where the predominant value is hard work. Mm-hmm. And I remember someone saying, "Man, he isn't, isn't he an amazing guy? He's such a hard worker." And I was like, "Whoa, you just made a correlation between this guy being amazing and hard because he's a hard worker." Right, like that. It's so it, it, it's I was like, like, I was like, hold on, big fella. I don't know if he's an amazing guy just because he may be a fucking asshole. Yes, and he may be escaping all of his 
fatherly responsibilities and he may be emotionally absent and beating the shit out of his wife, but just because he works hard doesn't make him a great guy, right? It still makes him a great worker. He'll get shit done. That's right. I grew up in a very similar small town up in Maine where that was really honored. Yeah. And that emotional disconnect for men in the community was prevalent. Yeah. And that's what Yeah, we, it's accepted, right? It's accepted. Uh-huh. And because you're providing and, you know, how can you do both? Yeah. How can you provide? How can you do? Get out there and get shit done. And then how can you be? How can you do both of those? Yeah. And, and really that's, I think a lot of us are brought up in that world. That's right. Uh, and it is celebrated. Oh, man. And that's where I'm so thankful for my upbringing because I got to experience... My dad was a very hard worker. Um, and I also worked hard to do what I did at an early age. So I got to experience that reality of hard work. Um, and I, I'm, I'm very thankful that um, in this season of life, I don't have to win that battle, if that makes sense. It's not like something I have to prove anymore. And I'm even open to a... A, a, a new way. I'm open to uh, something else. Like maybe there's more flow that I can get into. Maybe there's, um, man, I don't have to push the boulder up the hill so hard, right? That that maybe maybe these knees that are bone on bone right now are because I overworked, yeah. right? Maybe maybe, and that was a part of my tennis career. I worked too hard, mm-hmm. and my body started to break down because of it. And so I'm starting to see even in my own life that, um, you know, the great principle of the law of least effort, like mm-hmm. the least produces the most, smallest seed produces the biggest plant. And starting to really focus on potency versus uh, just quantity and understanding that the quantity, the, the, the quantity of work was really an escape. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to like, man, if, for anybody listening out there, uh, if you're hiding behind your work, we've all done it. By yeah, the way, so I, I mean you're no, talking you're talking to a guy yeah, that's got the no, badge of honor. That, and this is a this is a shame free podcast. Shame free. Po- what I want to say is just give you the freedom to say, just like total liberation. Say, hey man, awareness that may be happening, and I understand the awkwardness of when you go home. Or when you have white space mm-hmm. and it's just you and you're not working and you have to deal with yourself. And I just want you, Cal and I both know, right, the yeah. awkwardness of that season, but also the beauty. And um, it's humbling because you you do come into a place of not being the leader. Mm-hmm. And, and it's it is, it's it's uh it is super awkward and it's <laughs> uncomfortable and it's to sit. I know as I was starting to experience that and giving myself more room, there were times when oh. I would, the narrative, like, you need to be going and you need to be doing something. You're not yeah. doing anything. You're, you're just sitting you're, around. You're wasting your potential, Cal. All of that. And right. so then I would start to, oh, I, I, I would yeah. feel that that energy of yeah. like someone else's energy yeah. pushing me. Thoughts for me, you're not capitalizing on prime earning years, right? You're like, like whoa. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like. You're squandering uh, you know, all these thoughts, but really I wasn't. And, you know, if you're motivated by pressure 
which I was motivated per, by pressure most of my life, you need a season of what? Depressure, mm -hmm. decompression, or even depression, which is just deep rest. I needed a season. Yeah. I want you to, yeah, I don't want you to just gloss over that. Unpack that one a little bit for people. Yeah, that's a, so I was motivated. I always felt successful growing up, but the other feeling was I always felt pressure. I had heartburn as a little kid, you know, just like mm. pressure to perform and produce. Um, and if I wanted a new motivator, uh, <laughs> uh, I wanted to feel successful without the pressure. I wanted to feel, um, yeah, I wanted to be motivated and inspired by something new. And, man, I had to go into a season of decompressing and... And what I saw was it was just rest. My whole body, my nervous system needed rest. I needed a season just to, to learn to be. And my body needed a season to just chill the fuck out, right? And to learn how to like um, not, be in, not be in fight or flight. Well, and let, let's try to make this practical for people mm. out there who maybe don't have the ability to just kind of stop what they're doing. Maybe they don't have a job where there is a, there is that space where they're nine to five and they have to show up every day. Like, what are what are some ways that they can start to feel into that? You know, what are these some of these practices? Is it meditation, like, yeah. or, or even let's even start simpler because for for some people that's uncomfortable it is uncomfortable i think just starting for me it started with the signpost of um blame and resentment and starting to look at blame and resentment as a signpost that you're giving beyond your capacity like you have a certain capacity you have a certain amount of fuel in the fuel tank and you got 40 miles till it's on empty and you're saying hey i'm gonna go 80 well that doesn't work out Right. No. That just doesn't add up. And so and, and then if you've constantly lived a life of overgiving and giving beyond your capacity, you start to see the people that you resent. It erodes connection. And so I started to tune into, OK, who and what do I resent? And I create that. I create disconnection because I would stay protected through my overgiving. And I talk a lot about. Um, it's, it's true courage to give within your capacity and it creates trust. Mm. And most of our world, we overgive, overgive to our kids and overgive to our boss or overgive. And so if you're at a nine to five and you want to start tuning into yourself and what's happening inside of you, and you want to start this process, just tune into the places that you feel resentment and blame and start to go, Oh, Giving beyond my capacity erodes connection and leads to resentment and blame and ultimately separation. Have you ever had like a business or a job that you once loved and now you like hate it, right? Or even the spouse, you know, 53% of marriages end up in divorce, okay? You once loved that person and now you demonize that person and you're done. Why? Why? Mm. It's because you disconnected from yourself and you started to overgive and overgiving is a pr protection mechanism for someone who does not want to deal with their emotional pain. 
and who's not willing to communicate and talk about their emotional pain and has a willingness to be vulnerable with their heart. And so it's easy for a type A to just do, 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 than it is to talk about what's really going on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that's so, oh man, that really hits home for me. That was, um, you know, I think on the outside, looking in, a lot of people saw me as successful, great husband, good husband, great dad, good dad, because I was checking a lot of those boxes. Um, But all the while, like doing those to be continually validated as a good husband and a good dad and a good person because I was financially successful and because I was in good shape and putting up all the things, all the armor, you know, to kind of, to get them off and get myself yeah. distracted from actually having to go inward and, and it's, figure that it's, shit out. It's sneaky, man, when you're, I mean, it's like when you're the good guy and the good guy role is something that's protected you. And then you move from being the good guy, right? And you got to go through a season of being the asshole. Which I went through. Right? And that's a part of it. And yeah. it's so, it's like the cross. Fucking sucks because all the while for me, yeah, just wanting to be liked, That's wanting exa- to be loved, and it was like the good guy. Everybody likes the good guy, and he's nice, yeah. and all that. And then as I was starting to go deeper into who I was and what I needed, I started to let go of showing up in that way, that overgiving, mm-hmm. and. Oh, what's wrong with Cal? Yeah. What's going on with him? He's oh, not he's, doing this. He's oh. not doing that. Oh, he's not opening up his checkbook now. Oh, look at that. Right? Cal's oh. not drinking anymore. He's, he's not, not partying. He's that? not, what's going on? Yeah. Is he too good? It's it's all that. Is right. he too good? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so the, the good, judgment. The good guy, the good guy, uh, you know, confuses admiration with love. Mm-hmm. So he, the good guy or the good girl would rather be admired than loved. Yeah, and I the, felt that and for the, so and many years. And the great years. transition is, can you let go of admiration of your peers to truly love yourself and to be loved? Mm-hmm. And you have to trade in being liked to be to being loved. And that journey, that transitional journey is through some dislike. It's fucking rocky. It's through some dislike and it judgment, is. right? And like, Well, what happens? <laughs> it's like you go from, you know, 50,000 followers to yeah. 40. Yeah. But what do you have? You have 40 that oh, fucking love That's you right. and you love them and you'll show up. And, yeah, and I man. think in today's world, we get really caught up oh. in, you know, I know for me, like I wanted to be liked by everyone. Yeah. Seven, and, 750 church members coming and this thing's going somewhere and we're taking this thing to the top and we're going to be the next mega church yeah. to 40 people showing up yeah. and having to close the doors. Like that shit's real. It is real. That's real. And, and having connected. to let all of your staff go who are your friends. Yeah. Damn. Because you're pursuing deconstruction and choosing yourself, which is also a liberation for you and for others, which is, I believe, the bravest thing that someone can do on the planet right now is a willingness to close the gap between who they are supposed to be and where they really are. And 
here's what I want you to know. We've experienced it comes at a high cost. Um, it, and, and it comes at a high, like a high cost like mm-hmm. of uh, armoring an ego. But what I found is, first of all, I found myself. I found love. And from that place, I then started to choose my wife. Uh, like, like I choose you. I choose to love you. Um, I started to choose my path, not from programming, but because this is like what I want to do and this is what I'm called to do. And I actually had love to give my children that was beyond performance-based love. Mm. Like I could actually connect to my deep oldest son who's a deep old soul and I could go there and connect in with him because I had to go there inside of me. And so that to me is what I gained. I gained my, my love for myself, respect, respect for myself and connection with the people that I, I truly uh, want to receive my love the greatest. And all the rest is just like, okay. It's like what you said. It's just following the path and the organism is unfolding and keep saying yes to the energy and right. Like just keep, okay, where's it taking, where's the organism taking us? Mm-hmm. Um, and, but that, that's what I gained. Cal was like, man, that was, a, that was like, like who does that? And I can say, man, I did it. Like I put my gift behind my back. I played with my heart. It got really awkward and messy and still gets awkward and messy. But um, I feel love. Let me say this. I feel. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't feel. And now I feel life, right? Like I feel life. I feel inside of me. Um, and I think that was one of the greatest gifts is just being able to feel like I can feel you and I can feel me and I can feel connected and I don't just have to sit there and listen to my wife talk and like, just take it. But like, I can feel with her. Um, yeah. And that just life is, that's, it just feels like that's the win. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm still in the journey, just like you. I'm still going through my shit and my stuff and unlearning and unraveling. And, um, but there was a big part of getting my value through other people's opinion that I really had to deal with. Mm. I heard a, a recent, uh, you know, there's the, the, the FOMO. Yeah. You know, there's, a, there's a recent one that I just saw uh, a buddy of mine posted about called FOPO. Fear of other people's opinions. Oh, FOPO. Right. Oh, I love that. The great transition from FOMO. Because once you move on from FOMO, it's like, okay, that's a thing. Yeah. And I feel like that's a little bit lower order, but other people's opinion, that's a trickier one. Oh, man. I was so, it was so rooted deep, not in my, in my actual tissues of my body, Mm. right? The issues are in the (laughs) tissues. Mm -hmm. And it was in, it's, it's in my body. Like, oh, 
I'm about to disappoint this person. Like, I feel it. Like, oh, that's, don't do that. That's not safe. All that programming coming up going, man, no, don't do that. No, you want to stay safe. Like, overgive, perform, right? Say the right thing. Be a hard worker. Be a hard worker. You know, don't charge them money because if you bring money into it, they're not going to like, you know, those, I mean, it's like, oh, don't disappoint. Um, and yeah, literally in the energy is in the body. And I love to talk about emotions, right? Energies in motion. That's what emotions are. Mm -hmm. And they're just energies that are in motion that are in your body. And most of us, I, I don't want to speak for the world, but I'll speak for myself. I was not trained in the art of energy and especially energy in motion called my emotions and, um, emotions equal meaning and quality of life. And if you don't know how to uh, deal with your energies and motion inside of your body, the quality of you, the quality of life that you will have, no matter how successful externally, will be very low. It will be very low. And um, I know that from experience. I know that from my clients that I work with that are uber successful, and they feel uh, not successful because of an inability to process their emotional body. And uh, I feel like in this season of life on the planet, you know, that's the game. People that ha are connected into uh, emotional awareness and have an ability to really connect into the energy that's happening inside of them and also have the ability to talk about it in open dialogue and communication and converse, having courageous conversations. Um, I mediate these executive teams, which is so fun mm -hmm. to actually talk about what they're really feeling, to get a boardroom of executives together, and we start talking about what they tell their wives, right, about each other. <laughs> yeah. Right, and start to really, no, we're going to go here and we're going to talk about how you feel. And now starting to see the science behind emotional energy uh, at, a, at a business level, 25% to the bottom line, minimum emotional energy. So if you want to see it, if you want to see a 25% gain immediately, you start to uh, insert this emotional conversation. So the biggest catalyst for any business is, is emotional energy. Uh, it's also could be the most volatile, sure, right? But um, and we're seeing that. I'm seeing that with the companies that I work with. Just the power of a container for emotional or we, what we call uh, courageous conversations, mm. and the power that that has within a uh, it turns an organization into an organism mm. where it's living, breathing, and the people become more important than the rules, and. Um, that's when it starts to get fun is when the actual people become more important than the systems and the structures that are in place. Mm. Well, let's talk about that then. Cause yeah. there, there were three things, particularly under the you brand that I wanted to talk about is you coach. Yeah. You church mm -hmm. and then you book. Yeah. So in, in any order that you'd like to, to talk, maybe let's talk about you coach. Yeah. I have, uh, I, I have a you coach program, which is, uh, a part 
it's one of the legs of what I do where I help coaches and healers and teachers um, create abundant uh, coaching practices. Mm. Uh, and that's a passion I have to help uh, people that have a, a, a desire uh, to, yeah, for the transformational arts that they they can uh, not just be a, a a broke Reiki master, right, or a broke coach, but that they can really prosper as a facilitator of healing and perspective or whatever their genius is. And so that's the U Coach program. I have the, um, you know, just my coaching where I coach executives on a personal level and then my team uh, and, and athletes and entertainers. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that part of what I do, uh, you can see the smile on my face, right? Totally. It's, it's, a, it's a get into those arenas uh, to see leaders go to a place of connection with themselves and then the connection with their team. It's like um, even the connection with their spouse and kids. I probably get off more on that than even the connection with their team. Yeah. But to see them move into a realm of, uh, of moving from being a manager to being a true heart-centered leader. Because a lot of these leaders trade in. They get into control and they start to manage out of fear but they're really called to be a leader. But if you close off your heart, you can't be a leader. You turn into a manager. So it feels like you're in, in, in a lot of ways, you know, whether it's a male or female at, at mm-hmm. the head of these companies, there's a, a lot of, I guess, masculine qualities that drive that position. That's right. So you're opening up this whole feminine side, right. the heart, yep. um, Bringing the balance. lack of control. Mm-hmm. And it's really uh, giving, I guess, giving permission in a lot of ways to go there yeah. and, and experience that. And that's, it's an awesome way to put it. I work with alphas, right, that are used to driving the masculine, whether male or female. And the feminine component, I call it soft, the soft topics of the feminine. Do you love yourself? You know, how are you feeling? All of those things that we talk about um, produce hard results. And if anybody, any company has hit a plateau, uh, if your sales team has hit a plateau, if you've hit a plateau, it's because uh, of the imbalance, usually the imbalance with the feminine side. And the moment you start to, to bring balance um, inside of yourself, that's where what happens, small decrease at the first. It's a little scary. That's always what happens, right? There's a little, oh, what have I done? Mm-hmm. Oh, that guy used to depend on just left, right? Uh, he doesn't like this. Yeah. He didn't like this touchy feely stuff. Yeah. So he left. Oh, what are we gonna do? Bob's gone. <laughs> right? Oh shit. This doesn't work. Right? Yes. And the and the people that stay the course after Bob leaves. Oh man. And it, and and Susie may leave too. Yeah. Man, the bad apple spoils the bunch, mm-hmm. right? It's gone or, and I don't even want to demonize it, but you get what I'm saying. That energy's not there. There's synergy, there's cohesion, and it starts to take off. And it gets real. The, 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 the returns get real. You know, one of my clients, um, and it's on my website, Brandon came in and brought this to us. 
and they were able to land a $125 million deal mm. uh, <laughs> on a, with a global brand and net worth went up $200 million. And it was because of these courageous conversations. And they were at a place where they were trying to sabotage because they couldn't talk about this. Mm. And so they were at that moment where they're going to sabotage this thing. And so and how are they doing it? Is it like finger pointing? Is it like, oh, we yeah. can't get, we like, call them third party conversations. You erode a culture through third party conversations when you can't talk about what's really going on inside of you. Mm-hmm. And so you've got this culture that's eroding because of third lack of trust. And then it becomes positioning and then it becomes power over mm-hmm. biggest stick wins. Um, and, and then what happens when the, the leader that has the biggest stick is disconnected from themselves, they start to bring the whole structure down. And, um, you know, one of the, if, if you're a VC and you're investing into companies and putting a lot of money into companies, uh, I will just be bold enough to say the best thing that you can do is hire a world-class life coach for this, for the CEO that, or, or that's running your company. Mm-hmm. because after a couple of years, they start to bring the company down through emotional disconnection. And so we call it investment insurance mm-hmm. uh, for these firms as well. Um, you see it with Conor McGregor. What did he, you know, who was right next to him? Tony, right? Tony right? Yeah. Tony's been there with him through this process. You could see it in his energy, right? And how he held cowboy, you know, like there was a different. It was so different there this was, time There was around. a different energy, right? And it, and it was because he said no. And I think LeBron inspired him. You know, LeBron has a big support team on an emotional level. He said, LeBron's spending 1.5 million minimum a year on his physical and emotional health. And it inspired Connor to do the same. And so he brought in Tony. And it's just like, if, if, if you are an athlete of life and you're a high achiever and you don't have a coach, that's silly, mm-hmm. right? It's like, what are you thinking? Like Kobe Bryant didn't have Roger Federer, right? I'm around the Andy Roddick. They don't have less coaches. They have more coaches in their life. They have more trainers, more support. So trying to do it alone, like being alone at the top, that's doesn't have to happen anymore. And it's been programmed. Like it's, we look yeah. around and we think everyone is doing it by themselves. They can manage yeah. it, whether it's the CEO that's right. or it's the mom. Exactly. You know, uh, the mom who's got five kids and, you know, so, your wife is feeling, oh, no, I can't do it. I've only got one kid. And it's all this judgment that's going that's right. around. And that's your choice now. You don't have to have it. I mean, you don't have to do it that way. If you're an executive, there are programs out there. There are people out there. It's like come to an understanding that because you give a lot, you need a lot. That's actually very mature. And knowing that you need a lot of support, and that's not a a bad thing. That's actually a good thing that you understand that. The people that understand that they're needy are actually not needy. Mm. They're not emotional vampires. The ones that don't surrender to their neediness, they become emotional vampires. They end up hiring their friends, and they end up creating so much bulk within their companies because of their emotional gap. You've seen companies that have so much bulk. Why? It's to make up for the emotional gap. If, if, if you feel alone, what are you going to do? You're going to hire all kinds of people and create all kinds of bulk to try to close that gap. Mm. 
you know, I come into these companies and they've hired all their friends. Well, why have they hired their friends? Because they, they, they've hired the wrong people because they don't know how to bring friendship to themselves. They don't know how to deal with their own aloneness. And um, bulk within companies is rampant and it's an emotional issue. Hmm. I've never and, heard of it that And way. it's That's beautiful to start to see it. Yeah. That when someone starts to connect with themselves, they get really efficient and their mechanism gets really efficient. Right? They're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, that person's just there so I don't have to, so I have someone to talk to. Like I'm paying that person 250000 as an executive just so that I have someone to talk to. Well, I can pay a, a, a great life coach, you know, half of that mm. or a third of that and get way more of what I really want out of the relationship. And so I'm passionate about that. Yeah, I'm passionate about raising up coaches. I'm passion, passionate about coaching. And I'm passionate about uh, energy in our body and understanding the energy that in motion that's in our body called emotions and seeing the power that it has on these organisms or organizations and seeing that, you know, you think about your family that you grew up with, how much of it was emotional, <laughs> right? <laughs> you think about your work, you know, think about when, when you're in, you were in Chicago, right? How much of it was emotional? Yeah. How much of it was, you know, emotional escape uh, or emotional, I needed a, an external emotional stimulant, right? Yeah. Because I didn't know how to create that within myself. Um, man, I'm passionate about that mm. and understanding that world within me and within my clients and starting to see the power of the soft leading to really hard, massive results. Um, perfect transition, massive yeah. results. Yeah, oh, there you, it is. a guy to deeper connection, a lifestyle of ease, and massive results. Okay, so this is Brandon's book. I have some notes here. Um, of I'm going to read aloud some passages that really uh, hit home for me, and I just want you okay. to speak to them. This is actually in two parts. This is page 47 and page 63. This is an upgrading consciousness. Mm. We can also observe the problem with the reputation route from a generational perspective. Let's take 55 to 75 year olds. Many of them have only taken one path, which is head down, performing, working hard, even if it feels bad. Do whatever it takes, grind it out. What did they accumulate? They accumulated money along with lots of disconnection. Those around them only wanted what they could get on a physical level. <laughs> Which again, I mean, th oh, this is going to seem like I preempted all these oh, before because we've talked about a lot of this stuff. But I love the, the it's, it's the doing. It's the hard worker. Yeah. It's being held up on that pedestal because you did that and you provided in that way. And to be fair, as challenging as our programming was yeah. growing up, theirs was yeah. like they did better than the generation before them. So that's yep. what they had to work with, but that's where they're at. And those are the, that's the generation. And, and, and I don't want we to demonize from. that group. No. Okay. But here, there is a, 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 like we said, we don't have to stop there. We can have the physical and the emotional now. Like you don't have to just be a good provider. You can, you, 
and when you die, your family like, oh, I'm thankful he left us money. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's missing a huge chunk of it. Like, I want, I want you to experience the, the, the emotional fulfillment that comes with success. The emotional connection that comes with, man, like at your funeral, they're actually going to miss you because they felt you. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, and they're going to remember you because they felt your energy, not just because you left them some physical things. And um, this emotional component connected to the physical component. I mean, can you imagine that? Like to have both, right? I'm so thankful. I never worried about a roof over my head. I'm thankful for that part. Right. Food, water, shelter, right? Thank you. Thank you. But I didn't have the emotional component, the deep emotional connection. I had to create that within myself and then start to create it within my family. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I want to have, I want to be relevant to my kids on an emotional level. And it was hard to come to the fact that my dad, who I love and who I've spent a lot of time with, and he was not relevant to me emotionally. That's not fucking good enough for me. No, no. You know what? This this actually brings up something that I've been reading recently, and I've actually... I got a group of guys that we get together and we'll do a Zoom call once a week or once every couple of weeks. And we're reading um, The Most Important Thing by Ajishante. And in mm-hmm. one of the chapters, he talks about the difference between resume virtues and eulogy virtues. Mm. And I think we spend so much of our time. So unfortunately, some of us, that's all we do is spend our time on these resume virtues. He's a hard worker. He's a great provider. The things that look good to get you hired. Yeah. But like when, and you were talking about like when you pass on, Yeah. what do you want people to talk about that you were a hard worker? Do you want someone up there at the, you know, pulpit to say, you know, John, he really showed up at work (laughs) on time. He was a real hard worker or he was always there for his kids in a way that, he allowed them to be who they were. Oh man. He supported them. Whatever it is That's for everybody so clear, has to, isn't it? But it like just to and I I as a as a practical matter, I, I recommend all the listeners to sit down yeah. with those two ideas. And you can have both. You, but I I guess I could guarantee you, and this is what we're seeing in companies, right? And within the people that are running these companies, if you choose eulogy virtues which is probably your highest self. It has to be. Right, it's your highest, most connected self. What's your legacy? What happens is resume goes through the roof. It takes care of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, it's really a, a surefire thing that your resume is going to be great. I mean, it's like, it's going, and, and, and if it's not like here, at least it's honest. Yes. Right, it's honest. It's not a bunch of bullshit. Mm-mm. And I want to, I want to die honest, right? I want to die congruent, yeah. integrous, aligned. Uh, yeah. Mm. And that's, that's me living in that space of continuing to be emotionally connected, which creates 
a dad, a leader, a husband, a business owner, that's as he ages, he becomes even more relevant, mm. right? Like, like think about as you age, you become emotionally relevant to your children because they feel even more openness inside of you rather than rigidity. You know, and, and this is, it, I think, one of the, the things that our society is lacking now, and I've heard it um, referred to by my friend Kyle Kingsbury before, but uh, we're lacking elders. Yeah. We have a lot of olders. <laughs> right? I love that. It's just, there's a, and there's a difference between the elders and the olders, and the, I think the elders are the ones that are connected. There's to, very few elders or pe older people as they age that become what emotionally expansive yeah. and i'm telling you the ones that do become emotionally expansive as they age they will be the ones celebrated because we're entering in we're the information age is here like you got all the information it's a wisdom age and that's 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 gnosis right that's like epinosis experiential wisdom like mm -hmm. embodiment and the ones that have stepped into energy and motion in their body, embodiment, they will emerge as the leaders of a generation. And mm. not the ones with the most info. You know, the parent that gives all the kid all the info and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So, so, they can get that on you. I mean, <laughs> listen, there's so much of it, though. And unfortunately, our, yeah. not to get, uh, make this about our school system, but it's all about memorizing. Yes. And so, you know, again, uh, not to bring up Adyashanti again, but I will unapologetically because there's a lot of great wisdom there. He talks about direct experience. Yes. And those elders have the wisdom of direct experience. They may have learned about something somewhere yeah. else, but unless they've actually experienced it, they're not going to talk shit about it. Yeah. And so I think that That's is where... I found my greatest teachings has been through going through it. Yes. And now I can speak about it. I can have my own truth about it. That is so powerful, Cal, because I experienced this just this week with my daughter. I'll make it real. Mm -hmm. She homeschools, and uh, she asked me to go to the uh, jump around, trampoline park. Uh -huh. And she said, Dad, will you take me? And I, like, I felt like that, like, like mm -hmm. work today, you know, yes. kind of like, uh, energy. who hasn't felt that? And, and I went past it and I went in inside of myself and I'm like, okay, not resume, but eulogy, yes. right? Like I That's felt it. it in my body. I'm like, what do I really want here? And my body, I'm like, no, fuck yeah. You want to be with your daughter. She's 10, right? Like, you want to be with her. You want her to feel you and experience you and not have to go out and try to get that some other way, right? In a, in, in before it's time or you get what I'm like, like, I want her. Fuck yeah, I get you exactly get what you're saying because I've been down that yeah. road and for so long was very self-important. No, I have to do what I'm doing yes. and I'll be, I'll be right there. And I would never be right there. That's right. So can you be there? Yeah. And man, I said, Georgia, I'm going to jump with you wholeheartedly for an hour. Mm. And I'm like, I put my phone up, which I want like that. 
I just put it down and up and... With the exception of the awesome video I saw. Maybe well, that was from well, Jimmy's I, phone. I can tell you it was awesome because yeah. a lot of my life with social media is... Uh, uh, with my business is online. And so mm-hmm. Jenny came in and took all that that's awesome. without me even having to do like it was like it happened for me yeah rather than me having to do it myself and push it right and i got to experience georgia and then also got to jenny captured something that was a you know probably what i would want i want to capture that and i yeah. love those you know and so as i pressed into georgia's heart my heart was also being taken care of on the back end and that was such a beautiful experience. And here's what happened. I had to step into play. I had to step into play. I had to step into not my role, but I had to step into a different, like in my body and get in my body and get into me. And it was so beautiful, but it was hard. Like it was, it was hard to break the momentum yeah. Well, it's the again, resume it's, momentum. What do we, what do we, mm. what this whole podcast is on? It's this unlearn. Yes. And that is, that was a practical unlearning in that day that I had to go through to say yes. And it's hard. And it's right. You have to literally, it's not, I wish, like I wish that. I could tell everyone, I just teach this stuff, right? I wish I could, I wish I could say that in that moment it was easy and it was like, no, but I still had to like go there and go, okay. And come down and down and go, okay, I really want this. Yeah. And so what happens there? You build a rep. That's exactly right. And another rep. And so eventually this thing starts to open up and we start to be led by that. That's right. But it's hard. Yeah. There's a big armoring over that heart that's protective. I can feel it right now just talking about it. I can feel (laughs) like, oh, man, like go jump around in the middle of the day. I got stuff to do. I'm so important. I'm so important. That's right. All right. So I want to skip. I want to skip to another one here. Um, oh, let me say this. Yeah, yeah. I found out on my way into the jump around after making that decision. And if you believe in energy, like I do, I understand that when you surrender to something and say, you know, yes or no to something, something else releases and it comes your way. Right. Mm-hmm. I had a, a a lady call me that is an executive um, that just said, "Hey, Brandon, I wanna, I want to continue the service that we were provide. You know that she she stopped for a while and she said, "I want to continue with you." And she came to me. Yeah. Right as I'm walking in, I get that voice note. Yeah. And you know, it's like, I mean. I mean, you and I six, subscribe six to figure, that. Six-figure deal. I mean, we're talking about that's that's in awesome. in for some of some of the listeners, the energy piece, just stick with the podcast. You'll start <laughs> to learn more about it as as we uh roll out more episodes. But it's um it's definitely as you open yourself up to other things yeah. being a reason for manifestation. I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to go too deep <laughs> down that rabbit hole. But that's awesome. Okay, so. My wife and I can't agree on where to go for dinner, much less where uh, where we go when we die. If we have to agree on every issue to be in connection, there's some massive conformity happening and some massive powerlessness taking place too. Mm. And I fucking love that because 
Mm. I married my best friend and I did this and we're we're perfect together. We agree. It's such bullshit. I don't care who it is. Yeah. Your friend, your wife, some website you like to go to. You can't a, a political uh, you know, your president. You're not going to agree with yeah. everything. And you know what? You're not going to disagree with yeah. everything either. And I think That's, in the yes. to the today's world that we're in, and again, I don't want to make this about yeah. politics, but so many people, I didn't vote for Trump, but if you just say he's 100% bad, you're just being ignorant. Like, there's got to be some yep. things he's done well that, yeah, like, come on. Yeah. But anyway, back to the That's, relationship. I love that idea that, you know, conformity is different than coming together and... Yeah, unity is the, to me, there's, there's, there's agreement-based connection, which produces conformity, and then there's true unity which unity is a celebration of diversity mm. and true unity is the celebration that we think differently and that we are autonomous individuals uh, yet connected, right? Mm -hmm. We're autonomous yet connected. And, and that, that to me is where we're moving to, or let me just say this, where I'm moving to as a person and the organisms and the organizations that I work with are moving from agreement-based to unity-based. And you look at the ones that are really successful right now, they're the ones that, and, and I'm not just saying successful, like they're culturally relevant. Um, they have an understanding of we need people that think differently. Mm -hmm. And it is not a threat, but it is actually a, a help. But here's the problem. We have a, we, I'll just say I, right? We learn to stay safe through agreement, hmm. mental and doctrinal agreement. And so what happens if you disagree with your dad? Ooh. Right? Yeah. No, dad. Um, you know, <laughs> Fox News isn't the answer, right? Or whatever, I don't, you know, whatever it is. Or no, dad, uh, you know. Yeah, I didn't know. Jesus may not be the only way, mm -hmm. right? Or your boss. Hey, boss, I don't, I disagree with that. Oh shit, you disagreed with me in front of everyone? How dare you? Mm -hmm. So what happens? It actually there it, it threatens us. There's a threat, right? Because we're connected through that that mental agreement and it sends fight or flight response to us and says boop 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 boop. He's a threat, right? To your protection. Mhm. Mm and, and he's the chief, and what's the, the chief has the ability to kick you out of the tribe, that's and right. that's fucking scary. And that's scary because you know we are tribal beings, and um, and so to face the reality that you may have to go a season on your own mm -hmm. is so power on the transitional journey from agreement-based connection, doctrinal agreement, boss agreement, uh, spouses. We've never, we don't disagree on anything. <laughs> Someone tells me that, I look at them like, you're fucked up. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of issues that you're in denial over. And, um, like, there's a lot under the hood mm. that you're unwilling to look at. Oh, yeah. There's a lot just packed down yeah. there. Like, I'm yeah. just dealing with my shit. You're yeah. dealing with your shit. And we're keeping it in our yeah. own pile. And that's it. We believe, we, we, we have to believe the same thing as a church. We all believe the same. You all believe the same thing. That's fucked up. Yeah. 
like I said, my wife and I can't even agree on where to go to dinner. Yeah. Like, and you believe, you have to believe everything the same, who to vote for, yeah. where you go when you die, is there a rapture or not, what this text meant. Mm. And you got to believe all the same just to stay safe. Yeah. And I've got to believe everything that this, uh, you know, this politician, I've got to believe everything. All of it. All of it. And if not, if I disagree, then I'm the enemy. Yeah. And and furthermore, if you, on the outside, people are going to hold you, oh, you voted for him, look what he did. You're like, yes. well, what the fuck? I, I didn't vote for that's all. It. I mean, you got to pick one of them. That's right. And that's the, that's where it gets. So that's where it had to come down to me. Mm-hmm. That's what this book, it's you. It's not them. It's not Trump. It's not this. It's not the church. It's not your parents. It's you. Mm. You may can't help in what's happened to you, or but now you can help what's happening through you. And it's 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 about you. And are you going to live as mental agreement as your connection point, or are you going to move down move down into a higher, like a higher way of living, which is your heart? Mm. And are you going to step into this area and live from a heart-centered place? Or are you going to live from right or wrong? And I love Rumi, right? I'll meet you in that field, yeah. that field that's beyond right and wrong. Mm. That's where I want to meet people in this season. I want to meet them in the field of love, understanding, connection, openness. And uh, let's have conversations in there. And let's find out where the synergy is and let's play there. Not, no, that's right, that's wrong. Well, and that's the binary world. We were talking about this yes. before we got on, um, and, and I had recently posted something, uh, this notion of maybe. Yeah. Get that fucking, it, there's gradients for all this stuff, and, and nothing is really all right or all wrong. And if we can step out of that, let go of the need to be right, because that's a big one that drives Ooh, that, right? I mean, it. Let's kept us safe. Yes. Right? Rightness has kept us safe. And it's like, this is good. This is bad. And we're like, you can feel it. It gets tight, right? Your body gets tight. This is right. This is good. It's all so judgy. It's bad. It's it's the shackles. Yeah. Surrendering into that is such a, (sighs) it is, it's a a That's a layer though, isn't it? It's a a layer. Okay, let's keep going (laughs) with this. I love this. Uh, I know we're running running short on time, so I'm going to hit a quick. Here, this one. I love this one. Everyone says they want to align with core values of ease, but they delayed doing so until retirement. <laughs> uh, if uh, to align with ease now, you'll have to first allow a season of rest so that your body can literally change over. Your whole chemical makeup is built around denying your feelings yeah. and taking manic action your body needs to turn over like an ocean turns over or the snake sheds its skin i mean we've talked about this a lot but that is just so powerful for me it's that manic action we talked about this months ago it just drives so much can it can drive so much of our behavior yeah well intentioned we think we're supposed to but it's not coming from that place of intuition which i'm going to get to next manic action is just a scared scared little boy scared little girl and they found that doing 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 gives them a measure of protection Mm. but when you 
end at the end of the day, manic action takers get left out. Mm. They're the ones that end up alone. Mm-hmm. And they did a lot of shit and a lot of running around and a lot of doing and a lot of, but they are the ones that get left out. And uh, inspired action is far greater, accomplishes more than manic action. And uh, manic action has been an accepted form of emotional protection. Yes. And, 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 um, very ex- widely accepted. In, in a performance based culture, mm-hmm. it's very accepted. But it is, uh, yeah, it ruins people. Well, and then families. Well, what can help heal that? Well, how about this? If you've been around someone who lives in pressure, everything means so much the deal, the money. Mm. But people who live from rest have a baseline of trust. They feel if you do the deal, you do the deal. If you don't, you don't. But they are good. Either way, and I'm going to f- continue in the same path. Jeez. Page 143. When you live by the heart, you know you're too valuable to constantly have to hustle. Mm. This is a part I really love. This isn't about entitlement. It's about trust. You're going to wait for the bigger, more aligned opportunity emerge. You are willing to hold the line and hold the value. Mm. That is a powerful place to be. When you can do from a place that, oh, wait, what can you do from that place that, good Lord, what can you do from a place (laughs) of that feeling of integrity? There we go. It really sets the tone for your life. You win every time when you take a stand for the heart. Mm. And so that's, I think, something that, I personally have really felt into in the last year, year and a half um, is just being patient. And I know it might be easy to say, well, you don't have to go to work or whatever. Mm. Yeah. Patience. We can all be patient. I'll be patient. You can still be doing your job, but having your, your kind of uh, vision wide open for what is calling you, what Mm. instead of head down, getting shit done, Take a step back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's to, to go forward and to take big leaps, you have to go backwards. Like it's just the law of rhythm that governs our universe to go what to, it's, it's, it's pulling the rubber band back, right? Mm-hmm. You to, to, for it to go that way, it's got to go that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, are you okay with going backwards for a little bit? to go forwards in a really big time way. And that takes uh, someone who's willing to connect into their heart and, and leave the life of hustle. And, um, you know. That hustle's intoxicating, man, isn't it? Man, it, it, because it covers up the orphaned heart, mm. the heart that feels uh, lack. And um, you can, you know, hustle, hustle, so I can cover that shit up. And I don't have to feel it. But man, you become a little bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes. like that's what you become. Uh, a less potent version of yourself. You start to prostitute your gifts for value. Mm. And you don't hold the line for what you want, what your heart really wants. And you erode trust in your relationships and in your community and in your organization. 
when you create a hustle environment uh, because the hustle becomes more important than the heart. Mm-hmm. The doing becomes more important than the being. And um, that means the people will be bypassed for the performance every time in the mm-hmm. production. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a safe environment to be in. Those environments are, are fading. Those ways of operating are fading. They're holding on, trying to hold on hard, but they're uh, the old industrial model, right? Um, it's, it's uh, yeah, I feel like that, that, that way is coming to an end. Mm. And well, I can only speak for myself, right? For sure. <laughs> and I think that's important. For, for, yeah. Again, back to direct experience, like what, mm-hmm. what, what can we speak on? Are the things that we have experienced? Yeah. And um, with that in mind, I got a great piece of advice uh, last summer. Um, when I was in South Africa and uh, I was on retreat there and I was trying to figure out like how I was going to go forward in, in the podcast and the newsletter and this and that. And, and uh, the question was simply like, what do you really enjoy doing? I said, well, I really enjoy doing the podcast. It's fun. I get to yeah. sit down with someone, connect with them and the newsletter. I've been trying to write it and it's not coming that it's really like, I feel like I can write yeah. But it's just not happening. Yeah. So just don't do the newsletter. That's right. Yeah. Do what comes easiest. And so you yeah. talk about it here. But genius alignment works the opposite way. When we live from mm-hmm. this new mindset, we believe that what comes easiest demands the most value. For most people, genius alignment feels wrong. If you were taught for your whole life that what is most difficult is most valuable, yeah. hence he's a yeah. hard worker, he's a hard he worker. has to grind and look at how he's plowing in the fields, man. Fuck. So <laughs> if, if you know if that's how you're raised, what do you do with genius when it comes the easiest? And I yeah. love that. It's like we we're not taught that. No. But those things that come easiest, I really do believe they are our gifts. So like yeah. Some of the leaders I work with, they don't think it's enough just to do their genius. That's why they get into the management. That's why they get into the other stuff that they're really a seven at. Yeah. And they're a learned seven, right? Like, that's even hard. Like, geez, <laughs> I'm a learned seven. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they trade in being a unlearned or just natural 10, which is energy, charisma, uh, just kind-heartedness, right? Like their ability to communicate, casting vision. Mm. Some of those things, I see a lot of these leaders that that I get to redirect them back to what is easiest for themselves, but that comes to a place, well, that's not enough. And I'm like, it's plenty. That's it. It's plenty. You doing that other shit, you're actually sabotaging the mechanism when you get into management. Because there's people that are put on the planet that are 10 as managers, right? There's people that actually have the gift of management, the genius of management. And so I work with a lot of leaders, visionary leaders, and uh, yeah, guiding them up into their leader, leading through vision, leading through connection. Um, You would think that that would be, right? Living from ease is not easy. Does that make sense? It's like totally like when you've lived from hard, retraining your life to a life of ease and flow at first is like, I'm not doing enough. Yeah, I'm not doing enough. So what do I do? Am I just going to sit here, Brandon? Am I just going to sit here, Brandon? Is that what I'm going to do? Yeah, sit here. 
and listen. How about listen to what's going on inside of you? And how about listen and trying to get, like, sit here for a second and listen to your body and listen to your intuition and start to ask questions. Like, get clear about yourself and your company. Well, that's not enough. They're not going to see that I'm working. Okay. That one. Right? That one. FaceTime. That's right. Showing Face, up. No. No. Yeah. Go on a retreat and get clear. Be with your coach. Yeah. Then come deposit the goods. Yeah. Then let them work it out. Right? That, that's enough. That's enough. And what it does is it creates a culture of trust. Because you're not in over-control. You're not doing shit that you're bad at. Um, respect level is high. Because when that person gets into their zone of competence, not their zone of genius, um, people start to what? It, they, they, they're not as good at it. And um, so, yeah, it, 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 they start to draw and attract people that are sevens, not tens. And so it has a whole downward spiral for their company and their life. Yeah, because they've set that bar. They've set the bar at, at seven. seven. Hard work. Do what you're competent at, not what you're a genius at. And it's going to be tough. More time is what's required, not less time. Hard, heavy sevens. Yeah. So you got hard, heavy sevens. And you wonder why going to work is hard and heavy and a little above average. Yeah. Not great. Like, not fucking awesome. Yeah. And so if you want to create an awesome work environment start with yourself start aligning to your genius and less is more and the least produces the most and you will start to see like uh you'll feel awkward <laughs> and that's why you probably in this season sign. that's right that's the first sign that's why you right. need someone guiding you through it okay whoever it is you need a you need a guide to help you it, we all do yeah okay we all do uh but know that the awkwardness is a signpost that you're on the right track. Yeah. My hips are tight. And when I get into working my hips, it feels awkward. And when my trainer is working my hips out, it feels like, what's going on here? And this feels vulnerable. And it's right by my, you know, like it's vulnerable getting in there. And it's, oh. But man, the result, loose, flexibility. Right. It's just I, the way I walk, back doesn't hurt. Right. It's just like, oh, alignment. Yeah. Boom. Alignment. And that's what I want for myself and everyone uh, watching is to know that uh, align, full alignment, emotions, the, 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 the internal and the external. Mm. And yeah. Awesome. Okay. You've got a role. I've got a role. Because you have, and so, it, it, I mean, you've got like a couple minutes here. Yep. So in your own words, like sum yeah. this up, we're going, we've got you church later today. Yeah, which is wild that it's got a passion play of mine. Love it. Uh, the church thing's kind of coming back around and... Reimagined. Reimagined mm. uh, without the, uh, the um, what would we call it? The, the separation dogma. Mm-hmm. Um, more open, universal, but still with some of the same beautiful parts of a church, music, community, perspective, right? Uh, and I love that. It's yeah. not like because you're not with the church anymore that it's all bad. Mm -hmm. Like people, 
Shit is not binary. No. Like, pull the things that that's speak right. to you. That's right. And that's what you've done. Uh, eat the fish, spit out the bones. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I'm taking, oh, nice. I, I'm taking the, eat the meat, spit out the bones, right? So yeah. I'm taking the meat that really connected in that season and the stuff that didn't, I'm, uh, yeah, I don't have to bring it in. So that's something I'm getting to do that's just like fun for me. Uh, and easy and easy and Hello, it's happening fuck. and it's like exploding and That's it's so not on cool brand. I don't and it's know not, what it is. yeah so it's easy and then my coaching part where i'm coaching executives entertainers and athletes and high achievers uh yeah we're open for business that's what i say we're always open for bit like awesome. we're open to receive we're, uh for those people that are ready to go on a journey of reconnection with themselves and uh, becoming a, a heart-centered leader within their corporations. And uh, so open for that. And if you're a coach, healer, teacher, trainer, uh, I'm someone that's been able to make a really good living as a coach. Mm -hmm. And I understand some of the nuance behind creating that. And I have a passion to help agents of transformation prosper. So those are the ways that you can partner. We also have the U Collective where I'm going into prisons, which I'm passionate about. Oh, shit. Uh, we, we go, we go, we that. go into the uh, Taylor County Juvenile Detention Center next week, where we get to, uh, yeah, just partner with kids that, um, yeah, just didn't have the same upbringing, right? And didn't have, you know, have gone uh, some emotional trauma, and from that emotional trauma has created some addiction and. Uh, some intense behavior and not knowing what to do with their anger. And man, I get to go and help heal. We call it heal the violence within. And um, that starts next week. So people awesome. can partner if you have a desire to partner with the U Collective and help spread the message of healing to maybe some people that, that just can't, that can't pay coaching prices, right? That's right. Um, we have that as well. And I'm super, pa like that. I'm pumped about Um yeah, I'm pumped That's about awesome. that. That's awesome. That's special. Well, tell people where they can find you. Yeah, Instagram. Uh, find me on Facebook, Instagram. Those are the two places. Also, uh, brandonhawk.com and hawkconsulting.co. Um, but if you go onto my social... And we'll link to all this it, in the it, show it'll notes. Lead, so. It'll lead the way. And uh, yeah, yeah. If, you're a, if you are a teacher, healer, coach, trainer, or if you're someone like myself who was a pastor that didn't even know the coaching world existed, or someone that has a gift of perspective, and you're looking to create a coaching company, uh, I do start my U Coach uh, February 15th, and that will fill up, and awesome. it's been very potent. Awesome. And at the very least, go get his book. Yeah, go get my it's book. It's on Amazon. Is that the best place to get easiest? Yeah, go place? to Amazon. We'll link to and, that in the show notes, too. And uh, yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's an easy read out there, folks. Yeah, so this, come on now. Yeah, it's good shit. <laughs> I love you, brother. I love thank you, you so much for coming on. Uh, thank you. Welcome back to Austin. Yeah, it feels good to be back. All right, you want to close us out with uh, <laughs> oh, a musical? Would this be the outro mood? <laughs> this is really good for me. All right, Parangi, close oh, your ears. Hold on. No, this is really good for me because I don't like to do stuff that I'm not good at. Those three fingers there. <laughs> I feel this is so good there fucking go. no, it all not up. The, not the pinky. Not the pinky. Okay. Yeah, there you all go. Right. That's, maybe that's where you fucked it up before. <laughs> and just do them one at a time. Okay. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Try one more time. Here. Yeah. Oh, let me. 
Let me show them. Show how it's done. <laughs> Say, look, I can bl- I can play my hands. So Cal obviously has a little bit more uh, tribal energy that he's bringing to us here and a little bit more like, I mean, you can feel it. Uh, I am tapping into my declaration of independence energy with the flute (laughs) and uh, bringing that into the game. So I love you, dude. I love you, brother. Thanks for listening, y'all. You've been listening to The Great Unlearn. For more information, please check out the show notes or Head on over to thegreatunlearned.com for additional episodes and information regarding events and retreats. If you liked what you heard today, click subscribe and share this with friends that might enjoy our platform. Please leave a five-star rating in iTunes as this really helps us spread our message. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at BunkerCal and on Facebook as John Callahan. Thanks for listening to The Great Unlearn, and we'll talk soon.